0: Hello, romance book lovers. Welcome or welcome back to Tales from the Heart. I am Jenna Hart, and each week I post new episodes for my stories of crime and passion. Right now, we're listening to Deadly Valentine, book one of the Valentine Mysteries. This week is episode 16, chapters 36 and 37. Jack and Tess seem to be back together, but there is still a murderer running loose. Now, if you're eager to follow along or get a bit ahead, you can download the entire ebook of Deadly Valentine for free at JennaHeart.com. Never miss the mystery or romance by hitting the subscribe button. And remember that all the details and links that you might need are just a click away in the description. Now, snuggle up, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Chapter 36. Tess was
1: afraid to open her eyes. Perhaps it had been a dream, not the fire. She had the pain to tell her that the fire and her narrow escape had been real. But Jack, was he real? Had he come back and forgiven her? Held her as the latest round of medication made her sleepy? It was the kind of perfection that could only happen in dreams. But she couldn't sleep forever. She opened her eyes. Jack sat in a chair by the window. He had papers in his lap, but he wasn't reading them. He rested his chin in his hand. His eyes were on her. You're here. Joy rippled through her.
2: Where else would I be?
1: I was afraid it was a dream. No dream. He set his papers aside and moved to her. He took her hand, bringing it to his lips. I'm here. Tess had an overwhelming need to have him hold her. You won't leave, will you?
2: No mountain high enough, no river wide enough to keep me from you.
1: He said, apparently deciding a kiss on the hand wasn't enough when he leaned over and kissed her temple. She smiled. Is that the Diana Ross version?
2: Of course not, Marvin Gaye.
1: I still can't see you as a fan of Marvin's.
2: The guy sings about love and sex, what's not to like? She
1: laughed and then winced as it sent a stab of pain through her side.
2: Do you need something for that?
1: She shook her head. Just you. What were you working on?
2: I was looking through the files you dropped off yesterday.
1: She gripped his hand. You need to hide those.
2: I just have the information about Delia. The rest is locked up.
1: If anyone finds out they weren't burned in the fire, you'll be in danger. Tess felt the panic all the way to her toes. She'd only just got him back. She couldn't risk the killer coming after him. As it was, Jack could already be on the killer's list.
2: I'll be careful. I just had to see what could be in them that would lead to murder.
1: Tess's eyes darted around the room looking for hidden eyes or ears. But they were alone. Her door was shut.
2: If you're right about Delia's death being a part of this, it leaves only one suspect.
1: Jack continued. Tess looked back to him. The senator. He nodded.
2: I find it hard to believe. Most senators accept bribes and cheat on their wives, not kill people. Then again, I don't know him very well. If he's anything like Asa, then I suppose it's possible.
1: When I talked to him, he seemed genuinely sad about her. But I suppose it could have been guilt or regret.
2: It still doesn't make sense. His wife was already dead. Having an affair at that time wouldn't be cheating.
1: He said. Maybe it was because of the baby. And they weren't married. The fact that he was 25 years older than her made him a cliché.
2: It still seems extreme.
1: Maybe it's because she wasn't going to live under his terms. The conversation she had with Agnes and Walter at Ace's funeral reception came to her. According to Walter and Agnes, the senator was going to support her and the baby. Jack's face became pained. Tess gave his hand a squeeze.
2: Have you talked to Cora about this anymore?
1: He looked down and
2: shook his head. Not much.
1: Tess knew eventually he'd have to find out for sure if he was Delia's and possibly the senator's son. But it didn't have
2: to be now.
1: Maybe I'm wrong about the fire. It could be a really strange coincidence. In that case, Shelby is at the top of my list.
2: She has an alibi.
1: Jack said, using air quotes around alibi. Not anymore. Tess said.
2: Really, someone came forward, Philip.
1: I can't go into it. Attorney-client privilege. Tess explained. But Detective Johnson knows. Jack snorted.
2: I'm not sure how much good that will do. All of Daniel's buddies seem bent on me being the murderer.
1: Tess could feel herself wanting to defend Daniel, but she didn't.
2: That's the problem with everyone involved in this case, especially Deputy Dan. He's related to them, for Christ's sake. Isn't there a law about that?
1: He's not on the case.
2: Come on, Tess.
1: Jack released her hand, turning from her to look out the window. She felt the movement like rejection. Things have changed. She wished she could tell him about Sarah and about how Detective Johnson was taking a good look at everyone, including Daniel. Instead, she watched and waited, hoping the situation wouldn't push Jack away. He moved back to her bedside.
2: The point is that Tom, whether you think he was capable or not, took the computer. Daniel and his buddies have to know this. And Tom had to have taken it after Asa was murdered, which means he did it or he was first on the scene and didn't raise the alarm. Why not?
1: He was right. But Tess couldn't believe Tom was a murderer any more than she could believe Jack was. Tom had to be protecting Asa or someone else. I wonder if he went out the back the door and was the one who left it open.
2: Maybe. He took the computer and didn't want to risk being seen, so he went out Asa's door.
1: But he couldn't come back in that way without it being suspicious. So he came in the front door where you saw him.
2: It's possible he heard you entering Asa's office.
1: Jack said. Tess didn't like to think that Tom would have allowed her to walk into a death scene or that he could have seen her sprawled on the floor and done nothing. But he was attacked, too. She said, It takes the focus off of him.
2: If he wasn't attacked, would the police be considering all this?
1: Jack asked. We can't think about what-ifs. She said, I can tell you that the police have broadened the investigation.
2: But I'm still at the top of the list.
1: She didn't respond.
2: And now that things are good with us, Daniel will try to sabotage that again.
1: She shook her head. No, I think he and I have come to an understanding. He's a good guy, Jack. He arched a brow.
2: Is that why you were going to go live with him? What? The doctor came in while you were resting and wanted to know when Daniel would be back so he could go over your care when you went home with him.
1: Crap. Oh, that... Yeah, that... I didn't agree to stay with him.
2: That's not the impression the doctor had.
1: He and Daniel decided, but I never actually agreed to it. Tess shifted, pulled Jack's hand closer to prevent him from moving away.
2: But you would have gone...
1: It wasn't like Jack to feel insecure or jealous, so Tess wasn't sure why he was pushing it. Probably I had nowhere else to go.
2: He would have tried to win you back.
1: That's why I didn't agree to
2: it. Worried you might give in?
1: Now she was annoyed. Uh, Maybe. His eyes widened in surprise. You were right. I don't want to come to the end of my life and be alone. And since you were out of the picture...
2: So you do love him.
1: I care for him. It's not the way I love you. I see. That desperate feeling started to grow again. No, I don't think you do. Before you got here today, it felt like the only choices left in my life were to be alone or be with someone that was safe, who I knew would be good to me. But once you showed up, I got a third choice. The only choice. There is no contest. He studied her and she hoped he could see the truth of her words in her eyes. He moved in close to her, nearly nose to nose.
2: Do you know what you do to me?
1: Drive you crazy? Yes. He kissed her. It was rougher. Edgier than the earlier kisses, but it still made her mushy inside all the same. You know, this situation isn't all that different from you and Cora. Tess pointed out. She doesn't think I'm good enough for you.
2: That's not true.
1: And I'm sure after I hurt you she's got some voodoo priest making up a test doll.
2: That may be true.
1: He said with a laugh.
2: But as long as you keep me happy she won't use it.
1: You don't want to have to choose sides and I don't either. I understand why you feel the way you do, but he and his family are a part of my life. Just like Cora is a part of yours. Fair enough. Jack said. Of course, if we can figure this thing out, we won't have to worry about Daniel.
2: So, what's your theory about Shelby?
1: Jack asked, taking them back to original topic. I suppose the only thing is that she had Philip lie for her to give her an alibi. Damn, she probably shouldn't have revealed that much. Of course, he'd already known that.
2: And why would she do that if she wasn't guilty?
1: Jack finished her thought. Right. Clearly she was doing something wrong, but was it murder?
2: What else could she have been doing that she didn't want anyone to know about?
1: Jack asked. I don't know.
2: Maybe drugs.
1: Jack suggested.
2: She looks like someone who could have a drug problem. She's got the dark circles under her eyes, gaunt face, and is way too thin. What'd you say? Drugs. Maybe she was shooting up or whatever drug addicts do.
1: No, after that. Dark circles.
2: And too thin.
1: That could be it. Tess let her voice trail off as she considered. Care to share? Remember our date. I sure do. He waggled his brows. I mean, while we were at the restaurant. We saw Shelby.
2: I remember that, too. We discussed if baby-making was better the natural way.
1: Tess smirked at him. And then I ran into her in the bathroom. She'd been sick but didn't want me to tell anyone about it. And she had a toothbrush.
2: Maybe she was thinking she'd get lucky with another man.
1: Maybe. Or maybe she knew she would be sick.
2: How do people know when they'll be sick?
1: Jack asked. If they make themselves sick what if she has an eating disorder? On the night of the murder, it was right after dinner that she went upstairs. Maybe she went up to purge. Jack made a face.
2: I can see why people would want to keep an eating disorder under wraps unless it could clear you of murder. Why not just fess up? Why get Philip to
3: lie? Probably because Asa would have cut her off.
1: Helen hesitantly approached the bed.
3: Helen. I'm sorry, I didn't realize you had company.
1: Helen said not hiding her disappointment or disapproval at Jack's presence. Clearly Daniel hadn't warned her about Jack's return. Tess sighed, resigned to the tension that was building. How's Tom? Tess hoped it would diffuse the situation. Helen's face softened as she turned her eyes on Tess.
3: He's doing much better. He's awake now, finally, but has no clue what happened or who did it.
1: Tess wanted to ask if he'd been interviewed about the computer, but determined it wasn't the time or place. At least he's going to be fine. Jack moved away from Tess so Helen could come closer. She took Tess's hand.
3: Yes, and so are you. When I heard what happened, Tess, I was so worried. I owe you an apology. You're like a daughter to me and I shouldn't have turned on you like that.
1: I understand why things happened the way they did.
3: It doesn't excuse my behavior. Tom was livid. You should have heard him railing on me and Daniel about little Tess.
1: Tess had thought she'd outgrown the name Tom had often called her. At the same time,
3: it was comforting to know he still used it. He was right, as always. I hope you'll forgive me.
1: Helen gave Tess's hand a squeeze. Of course, and I'm sorry,
3: too. I can't imagine who'd do such a thing to Tom and you.
1: Helen glanced at Jack. To his credit, he didn't respond. Not even a flinch. That's what we were just talking about. Tess said.
3: You think Shelby murdered Asa?
1: We were pondering why she lied.
3: I wasn't kidding about Asa cutting off her allowance. He spent a fortune to have her sent to a spa last summer to cure her.
1: So she does have an eating disorder. Tess asked.
3: I would think it was obvious. I swear you can't see that girl when she stands sideways. It's so sad, really. Why women kill themselves to keep a man is beyond me. Did you say allowance?
1: Jack asked, taking a step towards them.
2: Maybe it's the feminist in me, but what 21st century woman needs an allowance? Why would Asa give her one?
1: Control. Tess said. Jack was rich now, but he grew up in a different world. In her and Helen's world, Money was power, and it was used to manipulate and control people. Even family members.
2: But why would Asa care so much about Shelby's illness? Why would he want to control that?
3: Grandchildren. Helen responded. He was obsessed with having them. That doesn't sound like Asa. Jack said.
1: Tess had to agree. Asa didn't have the temperament to be a grandfather.
3: To be more specific, he was worried about the future of the company. Everyone knows that Philip doesn't have what it takes to run the company. And Daniel wasn't going to do it, no matter how much browbeating Asa did. So he thought that if he had grandchildren, he'd have 20 or 30 years to mold them and make them ready to take over. Just like he did instead of my father. But he
1: didn't have 20 or 30 years, Tess said.
3: He didn't know it when he concocted the plan. Helen said, I'm certain that's what the gathering was about that night. He'd come up with a new plan now that he was dying. Who knows? Perhaps he found a long-lost cousin or something. The only thing that all Worthingtons agree on is that the company needs to remain a family-run business.
1: Tess thought about Delia and Senator
3: Worthington and their son. She looked at Jack and could see he was thinking the same thing. Shelby knew that, too. And she knew that Asa was the one to keep her rolling in the money, so she wouldn't have killed Asa. She liked money more than she disliked Asa.
1: I guess that puts us back where we started, Tess said.
2: I still don't understand about lying. If Asa was dead, then why would Shelby need to cover up the illness?
3: Jack asked. Asa has all sorts of crazy provisions in his will. Helen explained. No doubt there is one that Shelby needs to stay healthy. She probably gets a big bonus for the first grandson. Helen cast another glance at Jack and then patted Tess's hand. The police will figure it out. They'll find the killer and we'll all be safe. In fact, I just left Detective Johnson with Tom. They were talking about some computer. Until the killer is found, you can count on Daniel and us to keep you safe.
1: Tess gave Helen's hand a squeeze. Thank you.
3: Do you need anything? I see you got the clothes Regina and I picked up.
1: Thank you for that.
3: I couldn't get you any of those $600 French garments you like so well, but I think they'll do.
1: They'll be fine. Tess's cheeks heated at the discussion of her
3: underwear. The clothes are nothing special either, but you can't leave here in one of those hospital gowns with your tush hanging out.
1: Tess laughed. That would be a sight.
3: Jack
2: winked at her from behind Helen. Well, I need to go check on Tom.
1: She gave a disapproving look to Jack, then turned back to Tess.
3: Are you sure you'll be all right?
1: Yes. Tess said this time being the one to pat Helen's hand. I'll be fine. Helen took her time releasing Tess's hand and moving away, as if any minute Jack might pounce.
3: You call me or Daniel if you need anything. I will. Tess assured her. She thinks I'm a danger to you.
1: Jack said after Helen disappeared out the door. You picked up on that too, huh?
2: The only thing you're in danger from me is having you model that backless, tushy-showing hospital gown.
1: Tess smiled. Not now. I have a headache. Chapter 37 During the late morning and early afternoon, Tess rested with Jack at her side. Occasionally she'd doze and wake up, worried it was all a dream. But then she'd feel him next to her, whispering to her, and all was right with the world again. The doctor stopped in mid afternoon and, satisfied with her living arrangements, agreed to discharge her. It took some time, but finally she was drugged, dressed, and loaded into Jack's car. I want to go by my house, she said as he pulled out of the parking space.
2: Tess, you need to rest. We can drive by tomorrow.
1: I want to see it now. I need to see it. He cast a quick glance her way. He didn't say anything, but he made the turn on Cavalier Avenue towards the center of town. As he neared her home, He slowed the car but didn't stop. Tess realized he was planning to just drive by. Park here. Tess pointed to a spot across from her home.
2: Tess, it's starting to rain.
1: Just for a minute. I need to see it. He didn't argue as he pulled up to the curb. She looked out the window at the charred remains of her home. Her roof had fallen in the area that had been her bedroom. Black streaks reached out from window frames. The glass had broken or melted away. Tess pulled the lever to open the car door. Jack grabbed her arm. She thought she was going to argue this too, but instead he said,
2: Let me help you.
1: She nodded and waited for him to exit and come around the car. Every movement getting out of the car sent sharp, stabbing sensations to her side. She tried to ignore it. The thin line of Jack's lips told her she wasn't doing a very good job. She made her way across the street, shuffling, hunched over with Jack holding her arm as if she were a hundred years old. She felt a hundred years old. It will take time to rebuild, she said as she made her way up the walk. The smell of her charred possessions, as few as they were, swirled in the cold air.
2: You have a new place now.
1: I want to go around back.
2: You sure want a lot of things all of a sudden.
1: He muttered. You can change your mind if you think I'm too high maintenance. They slowly made their way around the yellow tape to the side of the house.
2: Any minute now I'm going to pick you up and take you home.
1: She didn't doubt that he would. They rounded the corner and Tess gasped as she saw her treadmill sitting mangled and melted in her backyard. She thought she could handle it, but her emotions had other thoughts. Her body shook as the magnitude of what had happened to her house and nearly to her, sat burnt before her. Hey. Jack's arm tightened around her. It would have been comforting if it didn't hurt. I need a minute. She tried to loosen his grip, but she wasn't so sure her legs would hold her. Let's just go. He gave her a gentle but insistent tug. No, I just need a minute.
2: What for? It will still be like this tomorrow, next week. You don't need to do this now.
1: Yes, I do. He swore under his breath. I think I'm okay now. She moved closer to the house, trying to make out if anything was salvageable on the inside. It didn't look like her home anymore. Walls were missing. The furniture was a pile of ash. Only the brick fireplace indicated she was looking in the living room. She thought about Delia. The loss of her home, her life. Could all this be connected? Do you think the senator could do this? He's 80 years old.
2: It's not that hard to strike a match.
1: He said. He just seems too, uh...
2: Refined. She nodded. Maybe he paid someone.
1: Jack said. That would make it even harder to find out who did it.
2: Not if it's linked to Delia's death. It would be reasonable to assume that he used the same person for his dirty work.
1: The problem is that the fire inspector said he didn't think that Delia's fire was arson. This could be totally unrelated.
2: He said there was no reason to reopen the case.
1: Jack clarified.
2: But he also said there were some things about the fire that would have led him to look at it more thoroughly.
1: I guess. Tess's strength waned. Not just from the physical limits of her body, but emotionally as well. Would this ordeal ever end?
2: Even if Delia's fire was an accident, Asa's murder and the attempts on you and Tom could still be related to wanting to keep Delia and the baby a secret.
1: Which brings us back to the senator. Tess said. I can't imagine him asking anyone to kill for him.
2: Nothing that politicians do surprises me anymore.
1: Tess could hear a variety of noises coming from the house. Some, she supposed, were dripping water from recent rain. But the creaking had to be unstable parts of the structure.
2: It's going to need some major TLC.
1: Jack said, looking at the house. Couldn't we all? So you really think the senator killed his own son and did all this? Tess asked as she pulled her coat tighter around her. The air had gotten colder and the sprinkles of rain were turning to ice.
2: I think it's possible. But if he hired someone, then who came into the house to kill Asa? Especially since it seems like a crime of opportunity.
1: Right. She agreed.
2: Who can move around that house unnoticed? Even with all the doors that lead into and out of that office, someone would have to feel pretty comfortable in the house and know its layout.
1: I got lost in it. When I found Asa, I was trying to get to the foyer, not his office. Tess said. And it wasn't my first time there.
2: Well, we know it wasn't you then.
1: He gave her a kiss on the head.
2: I tell you what, let's take you home where you can clean up and get warm. Then we can look through the papers and see if anything pops out at us that we didn't notice before.
1: Tess nodded but didn't move. She couldn't stop thinking about what Jack had said about the killer being able to move through the house unnoticed and having knowledge of its layout. She focused on the night of the party when she was resting in the room next to where Asa was murdered. I know who that is. She said more to herself than to Jack.
2: Who that is, what?
1: Tess remembered hearing the argument between Asa and Jack, and then she must have dozed off because she was awoken again by movement. I know who can move around the house. She answered Jack. Who could have murdered Asa?
2: Are you going to share or keep me in suspense? Walter. You're kidding, right? The butler did it.
1: Jack bit his lower lip to keep from laughing. I know it sounds crazy. Tess admitted, trying not to be annoyed at Jack's dismissal. In her mind, all the pieces were falling in place. He didn't like Asa and would do anything for the senator.
2: Including murder.
1: And he was around when Delia was killed.
2: That could be a coincidence.
1: Tess clutched the lapels of Jack's coat. I don't think he was checking on me just before I found Asa. He was moving past me, through the room as if he were sneaking from Asa's office to the foyer. Finally, Jack's expression showed interest. All the times I was talking with Helen or the senator about the murder at the house, Walter was there. He would have heard me asking Tom about Delia. And he picked up Sarah and Agnes after they visited me yesterday. Jack's
2: brow arched. You met with Sarah and Agnes?
1: Damn it. Oh well. Yes, it's that thing I can't talk to you about. I'd asked him about the senator and he got really irritated. He has an overly developed attachment to him.
2: Are you sure about all this?
1: Tess wanted to shake him. You think I'm making this up?
2: No, but you know as well as I do that a faint recollection and coincidences aren't enough to convict a guy.
1: I know. Tess started to turn away, feeling dejected, but Jack caught her.
2: On the other hand, you've got me convinced.
1: She looked into his eyes to figure out if he was patronizing her. He wasn't. I wonder if Detective Johnson will be convinced.
2: There's only one way to find out.
1: Jack pulled his phone from his coat pocket.
2: You can put that away.
1: They turned to the new voice in her backyard and found themselves looking down the barrel of a gun.
4: Looks like you were right.
1: Right now I wish I was wrong. Walter moved towards them.
4: It's unfortunate that I have to do this, he said. The senator is quite fond of his grandson, and his grandson is quite fond of you.
1: You didn't seem to have a problem trying to kill me last night. Jack gave her a sharp squeeze. She supposed he was trying to tell her to not antagonize the murderer.
4: On the contrary, I hoped I wouldn't have to. When you didn't put together my coming from the office into the library, I was glad that I wouldn't have to deal with you. You shouldn't have gotten involved. So what now? Jack asked. So now we move into the house before a neighbor sees us.
1: The roof is going to collapse any minute, Tess said. Walter laughed.
4: That would be convenient for me.
1: Jack maneuvered Tess in front of him as they moved toward the house, so that he was between her and the gun pointed at his back.
2: You don't have to do this. No one would believe us and there really is no proof. A good defense lawyer would say that Tess was disoriented and couldn't be sure when she saw you. Isn't that right, Tess?
1: That's what I'd do if I were your lawyer. Without an eyewitness, there is no evidence against you. Was she really going to die in the house she worked so hard to save herself from the night before?
4: Too late now,
1: Walter said. Tess stepped into the charred remains of her home. It offered refuge from the freezing rain, but that was little comfort to what was coming once they were inside. A gun was hard to defend against even when held by an older man such as Walter. Tess glanced behind her and saw that Walter kept more than an arm's distance from Jack. She suspected he'd been thinking the same thing she was. If Jack were close and quick enough, he could overtake Walter. That was if Jack was faster than Walter's trigger finger. Apparently, Walter didn't want to find out, and neither did Jack, who followed her into the house. Jack maneuvered her towards the fireplace where the slate roof remained intact. She couldn't be sure if that was a good thing or not. The freezing rain pelted the roof. How much it could take before it caved in burying them all, she tried to think of something that could change Walter's mind. She still wasn't clear on why he killed Asa. Did he do it to hide the senator's secret? Did the senator ask him to kill Asa? His loyalty to the senator was unquestionable. He didn't think the man could do any wrong. Perhaps that was Walter's Achilles heel. You know if you kill Jack, Daniel and the police will know he didn't kill Asa. They'll start looking for another suspect.
4: And as you said, there is no evidence that I did it, so it won't be a problem.
1: I wasn't thinking of you. I was thinking of the senator. Tess said. Walter's eyes grew dark.
4: He would never hurt anyone. He's a good man.
1: I'm sure he is. But he'll be at the top of the list. Tess wasn't sure that was true. But if Walter believed it, and his devotion to the senator was bigger than his desire to murder her and Jack, it was worth the bluff.
2: That's ridiculous. Someone in that house killed Asa and the suspects are diminishing with each one you hurt or kill. Jack added. When you account for those who have alibis, there aren't many people left. They won't accuse him.
1: Walter spat.
2: I won't allow it.
1: Are you going to kill Daniel too? Tess asked. You can't get rid of everyone, Walter.
2: And if the senator puts you up to it, maybe the Commonwealth's attorney will give you a deal.
1: Jack said. No. Tess thought Walter was going to shoot them both right there.
4: Don't you ever say that. The senator would never hurt anyone.
1: Why would you want to kill Asa? Tess couldn't stop herself from asking.
4: Because he was going to tell about Delia.
1: About her and the senator's affair? Tess wanted to be relieved they'd been on the right track. But what good did it do them?
4: Yes, and about the boy.
1: He waved his gun towards Jack. I don't think that would have hurt the senator. Tess said. Politicians today are able to get away with a bit of scandal. Walter rolled his eyes and then pointed his gun at Jack again.
4: His living would draw attention to Delia and the fire. People would start asking questions. What fire?
1: Jack asked.
4: The fire that killed Delia, idiot.
1: So you set that fire, too? Tess said. You killed Delia?
4: She was going to ruin him. He was going to take care of her, but she was going to leave and take the baby. It was only a matter of time before the truth was exposed. What truth? Tess asked. Today a politician can get away with infidelity and illegitimate children, but not then. Not in this state. He's a great senator, and I wasn't going to let her ruin it.
2: So you killed Asa because you were afraid his news about Delia's baby would reveal that you killed her?
1: Jack asked. Tess looked up at Jack. Didn't he get that he was the baby? Or was he still in denial? Or maybe he was being brilliant by trying to separate himself from the baby.
4: He was going to give you the company.
1: Walter sneered.
4: Can you believe it? As the senator's son, you're technically family. And as family, you can run the company. I don't want the company.
2: Doesn't matter anymore. Why didn't you just kill me
4: in the beginning?
1: Jack asked.
2: Why kill Asa or try to kill Tess and Tom?
4: I didn't want to kill them. Well, except Asa. They were poking their heads into business that was better left dead.
1: He cackled at his play on words.
4: So why not kill me?
1: Jack asked. Tess wished he'd stop saying that.
4: You didn't know about Delia. There was no reason to kill you until now.
1: This is going to come back on the senator. Tess's voice sounded as desperate as she felt. What could they do? Was Jack trying to come up with a plan? Would the police show up? Was Daniel looking for her since she didn't tell him she was leaving with Jack?
4: No, I'll kill you first.
1: He pointed the gun on Tess.
4: And then you. I'll make it look like a murder-suicide. It means you still could have killed Asa. Maybe you killed her because she figured it out.
1: No one will believe that. Or they might. Who knew? But right now, her only hope, too, was to convince Walter killed them would be bad for the senator.
2: She's right. Everyone who knows me knows
4: I'd die for her, not kill her.
1: Except Daniel. Walter could possibly get away with murder again.
4: Then I'll kill you first and make it look like she killed you.
1: He pondered it for a moment.
4: No, I think it would be better if it looked like you killed her, and then in your remorse, you kill yourself. It's very romantic. Perfect for someone named Valentine. Oh, and even better.
1: The glee in his voice took on a disturbing tone.
4: It is Valentine's Day. I wonder if this will be known as the Valentine's Day murder.
1: Jack shifted, stepping in front of her.
2: I have money and access to a private plane. You can leave here. No more answering doors and driving people around.
4: But I like answering doors and driving people around. Look at it this way. At least you'll be able to be together in the afterlife.
1: Tess always wondered about murderers who believe in God and an afterlife, but weren't worried about going to hell for killing people. With a determined look on his
0: face, Walter pointed the
1: gun towards her chest.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tales from the Heart. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you will be back to find out what happens next. Will Walter pull the trigger? Will Jack and Tess survive? To make sure you don't miss any episodes, hit the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes are posted. And don't forget that you can get the ebook of Deadly Valentine for free through my website at jennaheart.com. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, this is Jenna Hart wishing you peace, love, and happily ever after.